down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Welcome, everyone. What a week we have been having. This has been quite a beginning of the new year with a whole bunch of things going on all at once. But of course, my biggest hot button is always tying education into their agenda. What are they doing? And this week, after what was going on in Davos last week, and these uh, I don't even know what to call them anymore. Uh, globalists got together and they decided the way of the world. And how is the way of the world going to be as they eliminate fossil fuel and meat and all kinds of things? And now they're finding out that their EVs, their electric vehicles, they don't have enough places to charge them. Folks, one of the things that we can always count on from the people on the left is that they put out these proposals and they never check to see if they actually work because that's not what they care about. What they care about is control. And by controlling us, they get to reap the rewards as we can see as billions upon billions of dollars are being moved from the pile of we the people into into the pile called them the elite. And this is what we are going to be facing if we don't act. And folks, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is solutions. This is extremely important because everybody says the same thing, and that is knowledge is power. Well, I hate to tell you that knowledge is only power if you use it. If you don't use it, who cares? It's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And this is our problem. I have gone all, probably all over this country from, from, I would say, the last 12, 15 years, traveling and talking to people. And at the end of each meeting, I get, oh, my goodness, Karen, this is wonderful. I never knew this. This is incredible information. And thank you so much for telling us. And then I say, and what do you do when you go home? And they do nothing. And this is our fault. If we're going to save this country, if we're going to do anything to protect us, to make sure that we actually have a country that we can pass to our children and grandchildren, then it's up to us to act. Their policies are so insane that if we would just question them a little, then we would win because their policies make no sense. Here's a really good one that I love to start out with. Did you know what most of you are drinking is poison, according to the greenies? Sure, all of those carbonated water, soda, uh, beer, wine, anything. What does carbonated mean? Well, carbonated means that it's CO2. So if CO2 is poison, 
then why are you drinking it? That's my favorite one to go after. And that one deserves a big boycott. It is really time for us to show them that what they're saying is so insane that we're just not going to comply anymore. And if they want to be insane, they can be off and be insane by themselves. We don't have to participate. So our quest this week and for the last, probably for the month of February is to get the message out and to hope that everyone will stop drinking carbonated drinks. And you can tell your children and your grandchildren and your friends that it's poison because that's what they're telling us. Carbon dioxide is poison. Well, then at the crowd at Davos has also decided that they must get rid of fossil fuel. Well, they forgot one thing. Almost 90% of the articles that are made that we the people use are products of fossil fuel in some way, shape, or form. And by eliminating fossil fuel, well, I would like to know what they will be doing when they can't get shoes and refrigerators and washing machines and coffee makers and furnitures and pans and eating utensils and eyeglasses. And what about that computer that you're paying attention to or that phone that you have in your hand? All of these things cannot be made without fossil fuel. So what are they actually doing? I believe they're pushing us to see how far they will be able to control us. And one of the um, wonderful places that I get a lot of information from is the Heartland Institute. Folks, if you have not gone to the Heartland Institute, then please do. And while you're there, you can look up our guest, Sterling Burnett, who writes incredible articles about some of the things that we have just been talking about. So you are listening to Karen Schoen. This is the prism of America's education, and we are brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance, and my fabulous guest, Sterling Burnett, who writes for the Heartland Institute. Thank you, Sterling, for what you are doing. Um, this is it just I guess for the average person, it's designed to be overwhelming. But the amount of dis and misinformation that comes surrounding fossil fuels is just staggering. So what do you think about what I said? What we Well, need? you know, your intro takes a lot of unpacking. You, 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 touched, <laughs> you, you touched on a lot of topics there, Karen. And um, let's if I can remember them, let's go in order a little bit. First off, I think that you weren't giving the, uh, you called them globalist at Davos. I don't think you were giving them enough, enough credit because if you listened to um, Biden's climate czar, uh, his, his chief climate negotiator, former uh, secretary of state and Senator John Kerry, he said they're like space aliens. He said, he said they're, you know, <laughs> They they they're from up up in the sky that they're they're like these the, the elites are like these space aliens that have come down to save the earth from itself. They have this god's eye point of view. They know what's best for everyone. They know how the planet wants to be treated, uh, while exempting themselves from all those things. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but uh, so they're not just globalists. They're you know they're they're uh, uh, interstellar saviors. If you listen to 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 John Kerry and I should say when he said that there wasn't laughter in the audience there was a lot of head nodding going yeah we know we're 
you know, they, they, they literally think they have the hubris to believe that they have a God's eye point of view. Now, I happen to be a big aficionado of sci-fi and horror films. And I'll tell you, when the aliens come, they're not typically here to save us. No, <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Not according to what we no. have seen. They, they, they have better technologies and they're like, uh, you know, uh, explorers have been throughout history when they get to pr- to more primitive cultures, they assimilate, they they dominate, and these these aliens that were at Davos, you know, John Kerry and his ilk, that's what they're really about is dominating, and uh, you know, so then you moved on to carbon uh, to carbonated beverages. Uh, I'm, I'm going to come back to that one because I want to go to something you said. So they they these these Davos folks they said we need to get rid of fossil fuels. You know they. they I want to know how they thought they'd get to Davos without those fossil fuels. <laughs> That's or, a or, good or, question. Or, or, or more specifically, how they were going to get from the airport that they couldn't have gotten to without fossil fuels, from the airport to their four-star or five-star hotels and meals. They didn't take a fleet of electric limousines and big, giant SUVs that were all electric. No. They drove by the huddled masses who were protesting, uh, basically uh, doing their best imitation of uh, of uh, Marie Antoinette saying, let them eat carbon credits. <laughs> and uh, and, you know, went to their things where they describe, you know, where they decided how the world should should work, uh, what uh, what was going on in the world. You know, it, it was so bad in some of these in some of these uh, uh, presentations that were coming at Davos. Uh, you know, Al Gore gave a presentation and even the mainstream media said it was unhinged. He said, the oceans are boiling. I, I don't know. Uh, where? I, uh, I went to yeah, look yeah. to see what I was missing. Yeah, Maybe I, it was yeah. a hot springs that we needed to go to. Let's look out at the oceans and see if steam is rising and boats can't float and fish are just floating up because they're already boiled. We don't have to cook them anymore because the <laughs> oceans are boiling. Uh, no one knows. No one's noticed that except for him, evidently. Um so even they were calling his, they, they said, A, his presentation was a rant, and B, they, m- media, you know, mainstream media that's usually on this guy's side, uh, they they called him unhinged. Uh, and, and all of these guys were unhinged. But so how did they get to the air? How did they get to Davos? Fossil fuels. How did they get from the airport to their hotels? Fossil fuels. What were the modes of transportation made of? Fossil fuels. <laughs> Uh, or made using fossil fuels, their computers, all those beautiful uh, screens that they were projecting all their presentations on relied on fossil fuels. It is so absurd and hypocritical. It would be funny if it wasn't so dangerous. And then you mentioned um, the carbonate. Let's go back to the carbonated beverage. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Um, if, if any of my nieces, and I love my nieces to death, but if any of them ever says anything to me about uh, global warming, I will say, put down that Coke. Thank you. I, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to boycott these companies, even though the boycott, the companies are, are cutting their own throats by buying into climate change. I, I don't drink most sodas because I'm diabetic, but we go to McDonald's. We got to get sodas. We eat at a restaurant. Got to get sodas. Go to the houses. They may not have water, but they got sodas. Uh, and I say, 
let me ask you something. Open that thing. Do you hear that? Pour it into a glass. Look at it. Don't pour too fast because it'll bubble over. What is all that? Carbon dioxide. You are literally putting carbon dioxide into the atmosphere every time you get a soda. Millions of other people around the world are doing the same thing at the same time as you. How are we going to save the world if you won't even give up your sodas? Sterling, do you think that these people have no idea that carbonated water is carbon dioxide? I was I talking. Think many of them don't make the connection. They don't. I was talking to a legislator who happened to have a Coke on his desk. And I asked him to do me a big favor and take a sip of the Coke, which he did. And then I sat with my hands under my chin and I stared at him and he said, what are you staring at, Karen? And I said, well, you believe in man-made global warming? He said, yes. And I said, well, I'm waiting for you to die because you just drank a mouthful of poison. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, what's in the Coca-Cola? And he said, soda, water, flavor, what's in the Coca-Cola? And I said, carbonated water. And he said, so what's that? I don't think they make that connection. No, they don't. They don't. They always think their lifestyles aren't the problem. There's I, a problem, but it's everybody else that's causing it. And they don't. And, and, and in part, it's because they don't understand all the things that they use in their daily lives. I can't imagine telling children today to give up their cell phones because they're all made using fossil fuels, oil and natural gas. I can't imagine. I'm not talking about powering them, mind you. I'm not talking about charging. I'm talking about the cases, the electronics, all of the materials that went into that using oil and natural gas. I can't imagine them taking me seriously. And yet it, it it's just the fact. Petroleum-based products make up those cell phones, those laptops, those devices, the Kindles and, you know, what, whatever other devices are out there. They're all made and, and they don't get it. The plastic bottles that they use. They uh, don't get it. You're right. Yeah, no, they, they don't, don't get, get it. it. And, and so. And they're they not get... getting it in school. They are certainly not yeah. getting this in a science class. No, because no, no. They're being misled. Sure. They are, because if they did, then they would know that the release of carbon dioxide comes when something warms. Just take that same bottle of soda, take it out of the fridge or that can, take it out of the fridge. Boy, is it filled up with those carbonated bubbles. Well, let it sit on the counter for about an hour and get warm. What happens? Those bubbles have been released. So carbon dioxide, the release of it, is a result of warming. It doesn't cause warming. The result cannot be the same as the cause. And they're not getting that in school also. I know that. Well, you know, I uh, un until recently, uh, uh, Jay Lair, uh, a great scientist, uh, passed away recently. And, um, and, and, and by recently, I mean in the last month. And uh, it was real loss. He was, he was one of the most optimistic, kind men. I've ever known, but he gave hundreds, probably thousands of presentations over his years to school kids and to high school and to college campuses. And towards the last at least decade of his life, I know, but maybe before that, uh, every lecture he'd go into, if it was about climate change, he'd go in with a carbon dioxide reader. He carried it with him and he'd say, 
you know, he'd ask the students, well, what's the present level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? And, and is that dangerous to us? Is, it, it, is carbon dioxide a pollutant? Is it toxic? And, oh, yes. Oh, yes. So the present level in the atmosphere concentrates 420 parts per million. What's the level in here in this classroom right now? You know, it always be around 700, 800 parts per million. Does anyone feel like they're dying? And he'd say, eh, he'd get one of the students to come up and say, breathe over this. And it would come out like 1,500 parts per million, <laughs> you know, coming out of their mouths. And it's like, uh, how are you feeling? Because uh, you had three, three and a half times the amount of carbon that you say is toxic coming out of your mouth. And then he'd go on from there. But it's like, uh, I don't think people get it. No, I, I really don't. And, and then I will go back to it's the fault of the schools because they're not teaching science. Uh, they're teaching pseudoscience that will fit with their narrative and anything else doesn't exist. And should you bring it up, you won't exist either. Yeah. Um, and that is the, that's the sad reality. But 90% of the things that we use depend on fossil fuel. Yeah. So I always ask when somebody talks to me about how we have to eliminate fossil fuel, I tell them when they can run a jet using wind or solar, come back and talk to me. Because mm. right now I don't see that happening. I just, uh, I asked them to watch like an old movie that portrays the old West, you know, on the great plains of say Kansas or Nebraska, uh, the windblown prairies and uh, the snow in the middle of winter, and you have to go, thir- you have to walk 30 yards outside of your unheated cabin, your wood heated cabin to, to the outhouse and say, you want to go back to that? Because that's where you have to be if we you know, go, no, go net zero. Exactly. That's, that's and- the life we have to have because that was net zero. They were net zero. Our ancestors were net zero. They, they grew more carbon dioxide sucking plants than they produced. And uh, they lived very short lives. They died of preventable illnesses. They, but, but if you want to live like that, that's what it takes to get there. Yes. And, and now with this, now I guess it is a, a new backlash on gas-powered stoves. That's going to uh, be yeah. the next one. Over 40% of the American population uses gas-powered stoves. Gas is the cheapest form of energy, especially to be able to cook. And to be honest with you, as a cook, using a gas stove is the best way to cook. It took me a long time to get used to my electric stove, and it certainly doesn't heat or cool or uh, take care of the concoctions of whatever it is that I'm making as nice as the uh, gas stove. But how dare they? Who gives them the right to determine that? I see us, you know, people that for sound policy and sound science, losing many battles in this climate war. But the gas appliances and offshore wind, I'm increasingly coming to believe, I think we're going to win those. Uh, Because there you split the elites. In the sense of, you know, Jill Biden, she don't cook on electric. She cooks on a gas stove. Uh, um, and all the celebrity chefs, all these people want to eat at a celebrity chef restaurant, right? They want to go see Gordon Ramsay or Wolfgang Puck or, or, or Bobby Flay or any of the other, you know, you watch any cooking show on the Food Network. Not a single one's cooking on an electric stove. They cook on gas. And when California looked at banning gas, new gas hookups, they specifically exempted 
uh, restaurants and commercial <laughs> buildings because they don't want they're already losing people left and right because housing is too high because energy prices are too high because taxes are too high they don't want to lose their celebrity chefs and some of them told them if you do this my restaurant won't be here i will close and i'll go someplace because i cook with gas and suddenly they exempted it's it's dangerous for you to have in your home but you, you can go to a crowded restaurant with gas running all the time and that's safe for you yeah, that's like uh, we have to close all of the churches, but we'll leave the uh, liquor stores open. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I found, yeah, I found that amusing. It's like, hold it. I do recall the First Amendment saying, you know, something about protecting religion. I don't recall it protecting uh, Jack Daniels or any other liquor. But in Texas, we, uh, in parts of Texas, they closed the churches, but they kept the liquor stores open. I know these people, folks, these people do not have anybody's best interest at heart. And more often than not, if it doesn't fit, they just make it up so that it's going to fit. And this is what we have to be aware of. And we have to say no, and we have to challenge them. And when we don't, we lose. So stop accepting what your kids are telling you or what other people may be telling you and get on the truth wagon, find the facts, pick the topic that you like and challenge them. There's absolutely no reason for not doing that. I say boycott because boycotts work. And that's the fastest way to get recognition that you don't like the policy is stop giving them money. So you don't want to call it a boycott? Stop using the product. They do that to us constantly. Mm -hmm. They are constantly saying, oh, no, this is not diverse. Oh, no, this is not equity or inclusive enough, whatever that means. And why we even have that in our government, I have no idea, but we do. Um, and we have no way of getting out of this unless we, the people, challenge them. And that's what we have to do. So please share this show, because this is very important. We need to challenge the left. We cannot go through more cycles of them not hearing what we're saying and not paying attention to it. And now more than ever, we have to pay attention to what is going on in Congress because I was reading a list of the governors and what are they all saying? The new governors, the Democrat governors, well, they have to make a special attention to climate change in their community, in their counties, in their state. Mm -hmm. Folks, climate changes. Hate to tell you, but that's the way it works. There isn't anything that is going to make that stop. And there isn't anything that we can do about it as much as we try. But if we don't do things like, for example, in Switzerland, they brought in all of these electric cars and then they realize, oops, we may run out of electricity. How do you run out of electricity? How do you do that, Sterling? How do you run out of electricity? You stop using baseload power plants from coal and other sources and you start using renewable. And uh, you, uh, at the same time, you add demand for electricity to the grid in the form of electric cars. So what do they do? They say, we want you to have electric cars, but we don't want you to use them. 
Just don't charge them. So you basically don't have a car. Uh, what they're basically telling you is to walk. Or maybe if the town's still allowed, if they haven't zoned it out of existence, maybe get a horse, right? Uh, but make sure you clean up after your horse. Um, that creates a waste. That's a real waste problem. Now you have uh, to wear a diaper. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's 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 crazy. And the, and the thing is, you talk about the diversity and inclusiveness and, you know, all these environmental environmental justice is big with the Biden administration. He every policy has to talk about environmental justice. The thing is, climate policies are the least environmentally just policies you can imagine um, because and, and that's why they have to start. That's why they have to virtue signal that they're doing this for justice, for minorities and the poor, because they know that their policies are bad for the poor and minorities. Why? They spend more of their income on food and fuel, you know, on basics that require energy than the elites as a, as a percentage of their income. If Al Gore's utility bill goes up $100 a month, it's beneath his margin of error at the bank. He doesn't even notice. Someone else is paying that bill and he doesn't even, he doesn't even notice. If the average person's bill goes up $100 a month, if some poor African-American or Hispanic child's families goes up a month, they, do, they don't have food or they don't have power that month. And that's what these policies do. And so they say, oh, we're trying to take care of you because you're hurt by emissions worse than anybody else. So we're thank us for making your bills higher as we save your life is basically what they're saying. And then what are they doing Think about it, folks. All of these policies, let's say you're buying a house, all of these policies that they have put in place that are meaningless and do absolutely nothing, what have they done? They have added to the cost of buying the house. So that house that may have been affordable at 150000 is no longer affordable because the EPA put in all of these insane regulations that are designed not to work and force the cost of that same house, maybe another twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars yeah. $40,000. So where does that money go? Who's getting rich off of that money? Well, that's the big question that I think we should be asking, because as these policies go in place, somebody is getting rich because they have to comply with those policies and bring in the products that will meet that new cost structure. And folks, it is horrific when you think about it. Just take something as simple as the flush toilet, which we now cannot use the flush toilet filling that tank with the amount of water that we need to actually flush. So what happens? You flush twice. What does that do? That adds to your water bill. It adds to your sewer bill. Somebody is making money off of those policies that do not work. Sterling, we only have a couple of minutes left and uh, we'll come back after the break, but can you tell everyone where they can find you? Because your writing is terrific. I love it. And I want to share it with everyone. Sure. Go to www.heartland.org. That's uh, my organization's uh, website. Uh, we do a lot more than just climate change and environmental policy. If you want to know about taxes or budgets, health care, education, uh, 
a, a whole range of policy issues. We cover the gamut. I happen to be the environment and climate guy. Uh, so they can go to www.heartland.org. They can sign up for my uh, three times a month email uh, called Climate Change Weekly. Uh, they can they can go to websites that we maintain called if you're if they are interested in climate change issues they can go to climaterealism.com or climateinaglance.com and see uh, the latest research on climate issues so uh, a variety of ways to get us and they can sign up for our podcasts and I encourage them to do that okay folks do not go away we will be back in a couple of minutes and we are having a break now you are listening to karen Schoen. this is the prism of america's education brought to you on the america out loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor the florida citizens alliance and as session in florida is beginning uh, getting ready, people are preparing, committees are being formed, the alliance is working on one thing that is a very important issue, and I want everybody to that's in Florida to make sure your legislators know about it, what we need to do when they say the money will follow the child from school to school to school is make sure that homeschool is included. So think about that one. Think about your legislator. You want to make sure in Florida, this is the state legislator, that we make sure that any money that follows a child also goes to the homeschool if that is what the parents want the child to do. Don't go away, folks. We will be right back. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. 
Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to The Prism of America's Education, brought to you by the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And please, folks, check out the Alliance website and sign up for one of the wonderful projects that we will be working on. Sometimes we go to Tallahassee. Sometimes we write letters to our legislators. But folks, if you don't know your legislator, then you are letting somebody that you have no idea of control your destiny. And that is never a good thing. You don't want anybody to control your life except you. And this is what we have to pay attention to. So this is what's going on. In the meantime, what we also have to understand is that all too often the people who are trying to control our lives are lying to us. Oh, my goodness. What a surprise. And the concern that I have is about food, as now we have just seen that another chicken farm with over 100,000 chickens has just gone up in smoke. Folks, we have to pay attention to our food source. And if there is any way, shape, or form that you can stock up, make sure that you do. Because the rumblings that I'm hearing about, we may have a war with China, we may have a war with Russia. Sometimes it's not even the actual war. It's just the idea that it's coming that creates shortages. So like I have been saying before, if you can't figure out what you need in your life, then Friday night, turn out the lights. Don't turn them on until Monday morning. And then you will see what you need should electricity go down. Do you have a closet that you can designate in your house and fill that up with food? Because as the prices escalate, you would have filler food to put in at a lower price. You have to think ahead, folks. And this group never does. They never look at the consequences. I went to a meeting that our legislators had. And it went like this. I said, I was driving down I-10, and I used to see incredible farms with row crops all over, corn, peanuts, and tomatoes, and you name it, the farms were growing. Well, the last time I drove down I-10, in place of those farms were solar farms. So I asked my representative, what do solar panels taste like? Because as we're getting rid of our farms, we're eliminating our food. Sterling has agreed to stay with us for another segment. And thank you so much, Sterling, from the Heartland Institute. Sterling, what are we going to do when we have no food? <laughs> uh, well, you know, they're trying to create a, a closed loop cycle. I think eight seat, eight, eight uh Eight states have now approved uh, composting human remains. So um, we'll be growing food on our ancestors. And uh, I guess that just goes to show that that film from the 70s, Soylent Green, is, has become reality. You know, George Orwell really was sentient and Soylent Green uh, is people. Oh, so um, he's your alien. He's coming well, down yeah, to save. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's true. I forgot that John Kerry's my savior. Um uh, it's uh, first off, we're not going to do without food, we can't, but we won't. 
if 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 there came to real food shortages, they'd rip up every solar panel there was to get people planting again. You know, maybe I'm an optimist, but I think that's true. Uh, in the end, uh, fortunately, we uh, we know how to grow more food on less land than we ever have before. So uh, we already have uh, less land devoted to agriculture than we did at the start of the 20th century. It's still producing the same amount of food. Is that what you're saying? So even though it's less land, I shouldn't worry that I'm going to have to eat it's solar panels. It's, it's producing more more food. More, more uh, food. Yield, yields have gone up dramatically, and and uh, that's allowed us to put land to various other uses. Now, I'm not saying I think solar farms are a good replacement for real farms. I don't call them solar farms, by the way. I call them solar industrial facilities because that's what they are. Uh, farms makes them sound nice and benign. They're not. And they're not really that good for your power system, uh, unless you like power that doesn't work at night and uh, on a cloudy day or if it's covered with snow or dirt or dust. Um, you know, all it is is uh, a very expensive supplemental power that we then have to pay more to regulate uh, with other sources of power. So I'm not I'm not keen on solar farms. But it's I, I don't see them as a threat to America being able to grow food. Oh, well, that makes me feel a lot better. So, folks, it doesn't matter, but store food anyway, because the prices will be going up. <laughs> so maybe we have to then turn our sights to those wind turbines and maybe eat a blade. Uh, there you go. Wind turbine. Well, no, we well, they're falling down, though, I just read. What is going on? I, uh, I sent out a little note to my friends uh over the weekend on Facebook, I said, look, in the sky, up in the air, it's a blurred, it's a plane. No, it's a falling solar, uh, a falling wind turbine. <laughs> um, the, uh, the problem is these wind turbines are not engineered very well. And they're getting constant, they're getting bigger so fast. So like the technologies for producing power from them, the, the amount of power that can be produced by a single turbine is far is, is growing much faster than the safety of the uh, monopoles, the towers that they're they're spinning on. So I, I think the engineers have the engineers of the towers haven't kept up with the engineers of the turbines themselves. And well, that's not good. No, and uh, it, when they're not falling, you know, fortunately, uh, none of the recent towers that have fallen have killed anybody. But when they're not falling uh, in Germany, they've fallen across highways at times, <laughs> which tells me you better think you better think seriously about why you're siding these things. You don't want them too close to a home. You don't want them too close to a road. You don't want them too close to a school. You don't want them too close to almost anything, honestly, and because, frankly, when they're not falling down, sometimes uh, people don't maybe not realize this. But so when when, when the wind doesn't blow fast enough turbines don't turn but when the wind blows too fast they have an automatic system that's supposed to damper them because if they don't if it's spinning too fast it starts shaking and they start to shake themselves apart and, and when they do and when they do that you know you'd think you'd think the faster the better right more power more power no not for wind turbines there's an ideal range and uh when they get too fast if they don't damper if they don't have this dampering system they can literally launch the blades or parts of the blades because they break apart, you know, hundreds of yards. So wow. even if even if you're 
far enough from a highway, right? So that if the if the if the tower falls, it's not going to crush anybody. It may toss the blade through your home. Oh my goodness! Or through your car, or through the school bus. So we really have to be careful about where we cite these things, and um, you know that they, they have their uh, uh, their economic flaws. They also only produce power. You know, we we need to pray to the wind gods uh, to give us Goldilocks wind, not too slow, but not too fast. It's got to be just right. And please have it be constant at that just right speed. So uh, we, you know, so we get uh, wind with no danger or with limited danger. Now, Um, are they actually killing birds or was that a a story that should never have been read? um, If, if, I'm often told, oh, they don't kill as many birds as cats. Well, that's true. If you had as many wind turbines as cats, however, we wouldn't have a single bird in the United States. That's also um, true. The um, the wind turbines kill tens of thousands of birds, migratory birds, protected species, bald eagles, golden eagles, various raptors every year. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Um you locate them where winds are pretty good. Those where where winds blow pretty constantly are migration routes, typically for birds. That's why they're migration routes. Is the wind currents are favorable, so they can glide a long way without having to work so hard. Well, if you put a turbine in the in the way, <laughs> uh, you're you're setting yourself wow. up for trouble. In addition, sure. in addition, um, animals who are prey for say raptors. Uh, you know, rats, muskrats, um, rabbits, whatever, whatever ground dwelling species that a raptor might want to get get a hold of. Um, they I, I don't know that they've come to consciously learn, but as species do, they've adapted and they've come to find that if they see the shadow of a hawk and they run, if they run towards the big noisy blade, they're safer than if they try and run away from it. Because it lures, it lures the hawk to its death. <laughs> you know, you run towards the blade. The blade is spinning. The hawk's concentrating on the rabbit, and all of a sudden, whap! Oh wow! And, and the rabbit says, "Oh, I'm saved." So species are adapting. Um, they uh, they lure these birds in. So it's not, it's not good for the birds. It's not good for migratory bats. Some people think, "Oh, well, I don't like bats." Well. You like bats if you don't like the insects that they eat, the thousands of pounds of insects, uh, you know, or hundreds of pounds that any individual bat might eat a year. You like them if you like pollination because it's not just bees that do pollinating, it's it's bats. Um, so they're bad for bats. It messes with bat sonar. Um, and insects get attracted to the blades, and so bats, once again, fly into the blades. Uh, they are bad for a lot of wildlife, just like, uh, you know, solar panels. They're bad for anything that would be underneath that solar panel. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be a desert tortoise in the dirt in the desert where there's solar panels everywhere. You, you, you're not going to survive. Not because it's too hot, but because it blocks out the sun and kills all the vegetation and you don't live if you don't have food. So, um, environmentally, for species, there's other environmental concerns we could talk about, but for species, these things are a wreck. And then there's offshore wind, which is creating a whole host of new problems. Offshore wind turbines are much, much bigger 
than uh, surface, than land-based wind turbines. So a land-based wind turbine might be 400 feet high um, and generate uh, a, a big one might be two, two and a half megawatts, uh, uh, a two, two, two and a half megawatt tower. An offshore wind turbine can be 15 megawatt towers and can be uh, up to, uh, I think, the biggest ones with the blades extended, maybe 800 feet high, really big. Whoa, I didn't realize they were that big. Maybe not that big, but pretty close. And the point is, we're we're trying to sight them all over the ocean. Well, we've got some species that people seem to care about uh, called the whale. And in particular, we've got some very protected species, um, sperm whales, North Atlantic right whales. And they want to put wind farms right in the middle of critical habitat for these protected species or in their migration route. And at the same time, they want to say, oh, we're not killing whales. Well, it just so happens that, you know, we've gone through a period where we still have a, a something called a supply chain issue. Shipping's not back to where it was pre-2020. Um, and yet in the last month, nine whales have washed up on shore dead. Oh, my gosh. In That's one small good. area near New Jersey and uh, New York. That is definitely not good. No, it's not. And the question is, well, why now? And the enviros and the government are quick to say, oh, it's not the it's not the wind turbines. It's not the wind turbines. But what has changed in that area is they're trying to erect a huge wind farm. So they have to do all this sonar testing in the region before they can find it's called it's called it's actually called sound blasting um, in the region to find, you know, suitable places to locate these large turbines. And uh, guess how whales communicate and navigate? Well, sound. So if you're down there blasting sound uh, 24 hours a day, trying to find suitable locations and and check to see what's subsurface, uh, it's hard to believe that's not affecting the whales. But they say, oh, well, we've done necropsies on a couple of them, and they weren't killed by sound. Well, they don't have to be killed by the sound. I mean, they can be. Uh, but all they have to be doing is the biggest killer of whales is, uh, is, uh, ship strikes. Well, first off, we're putting a lot more ships in that area specifically tied to offshore wind. While there aren't as many ships coming from overseas, bringing goods and services, there's a lot more ships in those areas checking to see where we can erect wind turbines. So they're going in and out every day, right through the habitat. Maybe they're striking the whales, but even if they're not, the sound can drive whales out of their normal routes and into the busiest shipping lanes in the world. <laughs> so you, it, I always say correlation is not cause, does not prove causation. And that's true. But when you try and figure out what could be causing all these whale deaths, and these are just the ones we know of, mind you, unless they wash up on shore, we don't know. Um, what can be causing all these whale deaths in a very small area? What has changed? And the only thing that's changed is the offshore wind testing. <laughs> that figures. That absolutely figures. There is absolutely no thought into the consequences of any of these projects, Sterling. I, um, As you were talking, all these different projects, and they never look to see... What could happen if they oh, never well, do a what if they do, but they don't care for, oh, for some of these farms like th th that have already started erecting things. 
this goes back to to, to Obama in 2015. He started uh, approving these projects, approving testing and stuff like that. To to even start the testing, they have to get a harassment permit from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. So they know going in that they admit it's called a harassment permit. Uh, they know going in that they're going to be harassing whales and other sea life. So they basically admit up front, yeah, we're going to, they have laws, they have, you know, uh, the Endangered Species Act, let's talk about the North Atlantic right whale. There's fewer than 350 in existence. They Almost every one of them have been named by identifying features, people who track the whales. And uh, they're declining. And the, uh, the, uh, the Marine Mammals Protection Act protects them, the Endangered Species Act protects them. And uh, the U.S. government is supposed to protect them. And they have issued a ruling. They said to maintain whales and to help them recover, they cannot afford to lose 0.7 additional whales in any year. So they wow. can't even afford to lose one additional whale that would be lost to natural mortality, right? I mean, th- we all know whales are going to die. But above natural background mortality, we can't afford to lose even one whale, 0.7. And yet they are issuing permits, harassment permits in whale territory. And they're planning on erecting, uh, Biden wants to erect 30,000 megawatts uh, of offshore wind in, in the East Coast, up and down the East Coast by 2030 or 35 and 50,000 by 2050. Uh, you're talking thousands of turbines up and down the coast right there in critical whale habitat. It is beyond belief to believe all that activity won't kill a single whale a year. Oh, my gosh. It's unimaginable. No, it's, it's unimaginable. It's, it's, it's fiction. And yet they pretend like they're still complying with the law. it's like what do you say to these people after this are they that stupid and i guess the answer is yes oh no no there's no common sense where they just don't care i was about to say you think they're stupid i don't they don't care they don't care they have a vision of the waters from uh southern canada northern maine down to almost florida off south carolina as well Wind turbines as far as the eye can see, and not a single uh, uh, need for any natural gas or any carbon dioxide spewing uh, fossil fuel power plant in sight because we've got all this wind up and down the coast. Now, it'll be devoid of sea life, um, and you know, commercial fisheries will be shut down because it's, they can't really operate <laughs> around these turbines. Uh, in fact, uh, some some of the governors in the northeastern states are already planning how to compensate the fisheries for for forcing them out of business. People who've been doing this for generations are being told, no, you can't fish there anymore because we're going to put up turbines in, in the habitat. Uh, you know, you won't you won't have lobsters. You won't have uh, commercial fish, cod, whatever, whatever we fish. Uh, but we'll have plenty of wind turbines that it, when the wind doesn't blow, as they found out in England. <laughs> As they found it in England, won't be producing any power. So we'll, no. have, black, we'll have blackouts along the East Coast. Uh, we won't have fish. Uh, the whales will be extinct. But we'll have these very unsightly wind towers all the way. You know, uh, when you're when you're when you're there on your beach vacation, you'll be able to look out and rather than see this the fin of a whale 
when you go on these whale watching tours, that'll end. Uh, but you can see all these turbines that either turn, don't turn, rust, fall apart. You hope they don't fall over. You don't. That you hope they don't. Uh, you know, explode and throw their blades because they're spinning too fast. You know, th- that's that's the future that Joe Biden has planned for. So when these things begin to deteriorate, they just fall off and fall in the ocean, therefore creating another mess in the habitat. Look. Well, it's it's not clear. You know, most of them uh, start rusting, and mm-hmm. then you have to go back and and repaint them or take them down, and erect new ones, of course, because you want to keep that power that that sometimes works. Um, but uh, I don't know. Maybe some of them have just fallen into the ocean. I know on Hawaii, and I'm talking about land based turbines here. Uh, they they had a farm that just they the turbines became were so problematic, they just stopped using them and rather than taking them down dismantling them and properly disposing of them they're just sitting there rusted they're unsightly it looks like an old factory and um and the real problem there is you know look all these turbines they take a lot of rare earth minerals that come from china and from you know child labor and slave labor camps in congo and places like that you know that we really like to do business with and um where, where they have, uh, uh, they're very concerned about human rights and labor and environmental co- uh, um, conditions. Uh, we got to get all those materials from them. And then we have to dispose of these things when they do eventually, even, even mo- the best operating ones, you know, just like any power plant, even the best operating turbines eventually cease working and you have to dispose of them. Well, there, there are only so many landfills in this country, they're licensed to dispose of them because they and the, you know, they and the uh, solar panels that that are were quickly amassing piles of, um, they have to be disposed of properly. And increasingly, even those landfills that are licensed are saying no, we don't, we won't take them. Why? Well, land-based 400, 400 foot tall turbine, Oof. 200 200 foot blades. Uh, they don't they. You might say they take up a little bit of space, in, <laughs> slightly in landfills that are already, you know, servicing more and more people as populations grow in cities. And so, how many turbines exactly do you want in your landfill that you'll have to then cap and close real quickly? Um, so they don't, you don't, you you can't transport them whole. You can't store them whole. What they have to do is a multi-step process. You dismantle them. You cut them up. On site, you can't do it at the landfill. You got to have it done before it gets to the landfill. You cut them up, um, and then transport them. A lot of fossil fuels are burned in the process of cutting them up and transporting them. Uh, and then when they get to the landfills, they have to be crushed. Right? You have to roll. You have to roll uh, um, caterpillar tractors, typically. You know, bulldozers over them, back and forth, back and forth, crush them to the smallest amount of space. That you can take that takes a lot of fossil fuels. Um, <laughs> so how do they do? Yeah, they, I'm thinking as you're talking. Yeah, they have they need fossil fuels for everything you're describing. Oh well, of course they do. Of course they do. And and then you know, and where do you dispose of them? You know, how do you do it properly? You can't recycle them. The the way the carbon fibers and the various uh, materials are made, they're not. Some of it's impossible. Others of it, it, it can be done if you spend a lot, a lot, a lot of money and resources doing it, teasing out the little bits of rare earths from different things like the magnets and the batteries and things. So we are creating a toxic waste problem we can't even imagine. 
(laughs) What do you say after that? You're absolutely right. There is no thought on a toxic waste problem that is going to be a huge problem. And unfortunately, folks, this is what happens when you allow people who don't care about you to control your destiny and tell you things are the way they are when they're not. Sterling, we are at the end of the show, and I want to thank you. You are a wealth of information, and I hope you'll come back again because I always enjoy talking to you, and I always learn something, as our audience does. So please, Sterling, tell everyone where they can find you. www.heartland.org. I'm director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy. Not a hard, for good and for bad, I'm not a hard man to find. And folks, please go and pay attention to Sterling's articles. They are excellent. And we need to read the truth, not somebody's idea of what the truth is going to be because they decided it at that moment. I just wanted to give a shout out to our justice system. I never thought I'd say this, but it is actually working. Uh, My goodness, what a surprise. Uh, This past week, Mark Hoke, who was the father of seven who protested in front of the abortion clinic, was found not guilty. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the jury that paid attention to what Mark said and found him not guilty. Folks, we need to support our people when it comes to abortion and anti-abortion. And we have to get our friends to understand that the end of Roe v. Wade was not the end of their life. It then just flipped to the states where we, the people, have the right to determine what we want in our state. So we have a lot going on this week, folks, and I hope you had a wonderful week. And I will see you again next week. This is Karen Schoen. You've been listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Folks, the Alliance, we're going to be doing a lot of things this year. As I said before, one of the things that we're going to be doing is making sure that when money is dispersed, that our homeschool parents get part of get that money also there is no reason that a homeschool parent who is spending a fortune making sure that their child has a wonderful education should not be compensated they're probably doing a lot better job than the teacher and i will guarantee that homeschool children are far superior. Their reading ability is incredible. Their math ability is second to none. So why do you have your kids in those indoctrination clinics called public schools? This is our goal. Get your kids out of public school. And in one last announcement, remember, stop drinking that poisonous CO2 soda and let's show them that they're full of crap and we know it. Thank you all for listening. See you again next week.